Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I do want to encourage you to check out our other programs. We have our our amazing world of radio programs. Uh, we've recorded a lot of different episodes this year, including our Patreon supporter chosen summer series, Top Secret, as well as tributes to Jack Webb, Kirk Douglas, and Olivia de Havilland. And this week, we'll be posting our annual Thanksgiving episode. Check it out at amazing.greatdetectives.net. Uh, we also have our World War II episodes, uh, or series, The War, thewar.greatdetectives.net. And check out the old-time radio Superman show. We are uh, rebuilding the archives for that. After a server issue dumped, thirds of the series, we've got the last... 324 episodes up and uh, several episodes prior to that. So check that out, Old Time Radio Superman Show. And uh, then go to Public Domain Video Theater, our video version of this podcast at videotheater.greatdetectives.net. Now it's time for today's episode of The Fat Man. Uh, the original air date, August 26, 1954, and the title is Murder Plays the Horses. There he goes into that drugstore. He's stepping on the scales. Weight 239 pounds. Fortune, danger. Who is it? The Fat Man. multitude of things, such as hard muscles and maybe a soft heart. I go for the first myself. They pay off better. Crime and soft hearts don't mix. But that doesn't mean you can't make a nice gesture once in a while, even in the midst of a considerable amount of murder. And now, here's the fat man in... Murder plays the horses. Colonel B.J. Decker's home is one of those old mansions over near the park. You know the kind I mean. A museum on the outside and a morgue on the inside. The colonel was pretty well known in the racing world and owned a few horses himself. He had a beautiful daughter and a knack for getting into more trouble than a 60-year-old playboy should. I'd done a couple of minor jobs for him when some of his chorus girl sweethearts got a little too rough. So I wasn't surprised when he called and said he wanted to see me right away. Ah, uh, Runyon, come in, come in. Hello, B.J. Pull up that chair and sit down. Have a martini? No, thanks. Not before the sun goes down. Good idea, good idea. <clears throat> I don't either as a rule, but this business has got me all upset. Who is she this time, B.J.? A redhead? A redhead? Oh, 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 no, I wish it were as simple as that. 
Onion, this is serious. I didn't think anything was more serious than a redhead, unless it was a horse. It is a horse. In fact, it's more than one horse. And it's also my daughter, Ethel. Hmm, your daughter, eh? Okay, start at the beginning. Well, it was several weeks ago. One of my horses was running at Pimlico. She was the favorite and should have won in a walk, but she didn't. Coming into the back stretch, she threw a shoe and took a bad fall. A tough break, B.J., but it's happened before. Oh, I know that, of course. But three days later, another one of my horses took sick just before the race. It was something in the feed. Yeah? What next? A week later, it was a shoe again. And then yesterday afternoon, I got a phone call. From one of your horses? Oh, stop it, Brad. This is serious. It was a man's voice. He said, If you love your daughter, Ethel, you'll keep Snowflake out of the Kingston Handicap. You didn't tell the police? No, no. I had nothing to go on. The Kingston Handicap is day after tomorrow, and Snowflake is the favorite. The purse is over $100,000. You didn't recognize the voice on the phone? No. And now you're going to scratch Snowflake? I'm afraid not to. Okay, B.J., I'll see what I can do. Well, here, here's $50. $50? Who are you trying to kid, B.J.? Oh, I don't mean that's all I'm going to pay you. That's just all the cash I have in my pocket. I don't mind a check. Oh, what's the matter with you anyway, Ron? You don't pay you whatever you want. You know that. Well, quit acting like a schoolboy and help me. Okay. Any idea who might be behind this business? Well, I... I do have, but... Don't stall. If you know something, tell me. Look here, Runyon. I don't want to point suspicion at anybody without being positive. Okay, B.J., it was a nice chat. I'll be seeing Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've got to help me. All right. Who's behind it? Well, I don't like to jump to conclusions. I think I know, but I like the boy, and he does a good job. He works for you? Yes. He's Eddie Burns, my jockey. Adam boy, Eddie, Adam boy, let him out, let him out. Come on, Eddie, come on. Nice horse. Nice? Do you try to kid, mister? That snowflake. Yeah? Good horse, eh? There ain't no better. Who's the exercise boy? Exercise boy? Are you kidding? You ain't been around much, have you, mister? That's Eddie Burns, the best jockey in the business. Oh, Eddie Kearns. Not Kearns. Burns. Oh, brother, you're a real square, aren't you? Not if you're observant. You a jockey? No, not yet. I work them out. They give me the plugs. But I'm learning fast, and Eddie's talking me up. I'll get a break pretty soon. What's your name? Pete. Okay, Pete. I see that tall, thin fellow leaning against the rail over there. Yeah? What about him? Who is he? I don't know. I seen him talking to Eddie a little while ago. I guess it's some pal of his. See you later. I want to talk to Eddie's pal. I thought I smelled something besides horses around here, Deacon. It couldn't be a fat detective, could it? It might be a tin-horn gambler. 
<laughs> I know a fellow once who had a wonderful nose. It was so good he just had to go around using it all the time. But he had an accident. What a shame. Yes, yes. They found him in an alley without his nose. Know any more bedtime stories, D? Yes, lots of them. Tell me one about a jockey. A jockey? Yeah. A jockey named Eddie Burns. You know, it's a curious thing, but I don't know any Eddie Burns stories. How about the three bears? Uh, let's skip that. I'd almost bet you knew at least one Eddie Burns story. You'd make more betting on a horse. Okay, Deacon, let's go. I got Hello, that. Sneed. Remember me? What's this two-bit dick doing here? Huh? He's being too inquisitive. Oh. That's not so healthy, fat man. You know, Deacon, you ought to be more careful in picking friends. Somebody might get the wrong idea. Why, Cut you big... Come on, let's go. Better brush up on your horse stories, Deacon. Take him, Pete. Okay, Eddie. Boy, oh boy, he's really looking good, ain't he? Like a dream. Feeling good, aren't you, boy? I say we're going to take that Kingston handicap like candy from a baby. Oh, boy, hold it. Here, Pete, take him round again. Take it easy, just, just cool him off. Okay, Eddie. Give me a leg up. I hear there's a big purse in the Kingston Handicap, Eddie. Here. Think you'll win it? Maybe. What's it to you? Some funny things have been happening to Colonel Decker's horses lately. Okay, mister, what's on your mind? Talk straight. Somebody might think you're behind it. Well, some funny things have been happening, all right, but I'm not behind it. Somebody called the colonel yesterday and threatened his daughter Ethel if Snowflake ran on the Kingston Handicap. Know anything about it? Me? That's right. Why, I wouldn't threaten Ethel. Why not? Because we're getting married right after the big race. Eddie's crack slowed me up a bit. While I was figuring my next approach, Eddie turned quickly and headed for the stables. I wanted to straighten this angle out, so I drove back to town, had me a breakfast, and hustled over to see Colonel Decker. It was still only ten o'clock, but the colonel was up and through breakfast when I called. Now, let me get this straight, B.J. You said it was your jockey, Eddie Burns, who phoned you and threatened Ethel. It was Eddie, I tell you. But he says he loves Ethel, and they're getting married the day after the race. Why, that, that's ridiculous. Eddie married Ethel? Oh, oh. oh well, I, uh, I might have known it. I, now, I stop. Know. If you want me to help you and protect your daughter, you've got to come clean or I quit right now. All right, Runyon, I'll, I'll tell you the whole truth. It's about time. I was foolish, perhaps, but, well, it looked like a sure thing and I, I couldn't resist the temptation. What are you talking about? A few weeks ago, two were gentlemen that I know got in touch with me. I had some money, they wanted a bet on a long shot and they wanted to spread it around without too much suspicion... So they asked me to bet $25,000 for them. Who were these gentlemen? Two men named Deacon and Sneed. And you took the money but didn't place the bet? That's right. It was a seven-to-one shot. I 
Didn't think the horse had a chance, so I decided to take the bet myself. But the horse won, so you owed them $175,000. Yes. Go on. When I told them I couldn't pay, that they'd have to wait, they threatened me. I told them I could pay after the Kingston handicap if Snowflake won. But that wasn't good enough. They wanted collateral. The only thing I had to give them was the deed to a gold mine I owned. Which is worth more than the money you lost. Exactly. Now you see why I've got to win the Kingston Handicap tomorrow. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me the truth to start with? Why all the business about Eddie Burns? But Eddie is mixed up in it. They're trying to keep Snowflake out of the race, and they've gotten to Eddie. Bought him off. Oh, excuse me. Hello? Carol Decker? Yeah, speaking. This is Lieutenant McKenzie of Police Headquarters. Stables right now, but can you meet us at headquarters in an hour? Why, yes, yes, of course, but what's the trouble? Is Snowflake... Snowflake's all right, but there's a guy named Sneed that isn't. What happened? We found him on one of your empty stalls with a bullet in his head. Colonel told me about the phone conversation and said that the police figured that Sneed had been murdered around eight that morning. Right after I'd seen him, by the way. We killed a little time over a cup of coffee, then I drove the colonel down to headquarters. Where, after a few questions, he was sent home. I was just about to leave when they brought in Sneed's pal, the deacon. Hello, deacon. Got a good one on the fourth tomorrow? What are you doing here, fat man? Too bad about your pal, Sneed. Yes, very unfortunate. Your morning is very touching. He was a nice guy, and I liked him. He was old enough to know what he was doing. Took his chances like everyone else, but he drew the wrong card. Have you got any idea who might have been gunning for him? Lieutenant, why don't you ask Runyon here? Perhaps he knows. What do you mean by that, Craig? I mean that... Wait a minute. <laughs> Lieutenant McKenzie. What? Okay. Hold the deacon till his lawyer springs him. Okay, sir. You want to come along, Brad? What's up, Mac? Colonel Decker's stables are on fire. When Mackenzie and I arrived at the track, Decker's stables were a smoldering mass of ruins. The intense heat had prevented every attempt to save the horses. And Colonel Decker angrily declared, Eddie Burns is behind all this, Runyon. They didn't want my horse Snowflake to run. They wanted to ruin me, you know. But, Dad, I know Eddie didn't have anything to do with this. You keep out of this. But, Dad... Orville, are you all right? Eddie, where have you been? Oh, I just heard about the fire. Oh, Mr. Runyon, I've got something important to tell you. What are you doing with that gun, Eddie? Well, that's what I wanted to tell you. I found it down near the Madison stables. Let me have it. He's been fired, Eddie. You see, Runyon, I told you... Just a second, Colonel, just a second. Where were you this morning, Miss Decker? Uh, I went out riding. Who with? I I went alone. Now, look here, Runyon, you surely don't... Miss Decker, I'd advise you to keep close to your home for a while. And as for you, Eddie, I'm going to turn you over to the police to answer a few questions. Oh, there's no question about his guilt. He murdered Sneed and started the fire that killed Snowflake. Snowflake's all right. What? He wasn't in the stable. Where is he? Well, he's down in the Madison stables. I was worried about him, so I took him down there. After this morning's workout. Good. Don't say anything to anybody. If we can keep it out of the papers, 
It may save a lot more trouble. I stayed close to the Decker family. The next noontime, the day of the big race, I told the colonel I'd drive him out to the track. Harry Burns was in police custody, and Pete, the young stable boy, was assigned to ride Snowflake. With the deacon free because of lack of evidence, the colonel didn't object to my companionship until he found out where I was taking him. You know, colonel... There are a couple of things that don't make sense. What? Why Sneed was murdered, for instance. Well, that's simple. Is it? Of course. The deacon killed him. The deacon may be a crooked gambler, but he's no fool. Besides, there are some others with equally good motives. Oh. Eddie Burns, for instance. Oh, Eddie, yeah. And there's somebody else. Oh. You. Why, what? What do you mean? You owed Sneed and Deacon money. They wanted the mine instead. So if you lost the race today... But Runyon, you're forgetting the fire and... Just a minute. Turn around, Runyon. It's almost time for the race. We're not going to the track, Colonel. We're going to listen to the race on the radio. What do you mean? What are you trying to do? Save your life, maybe. Told you, Runyon, I want to be at the track. Whose house is this? A friend of mine. Come in and relax. Come on, Colonel. Sit down and be comfortable. I'll turn on the radio. I won't sit down. Have it your way, but you're not leaving. Don't worry about Pete. I think he knows how to handle Snowflake. Weather is fair, track fast. The horses are on the way to the starting gate. Right beneath me are the boxes reserved for the owners. There's uh, Mr. and Mrs. Dudley Fletcher, owners of Breakaway, and uh, Bill Donovan, who owns Fantan. One of the boxes is obviously empty. It belongs to Colonel B.J. Decker. Owner of the favorite snowflake. The rumors have been flying around here all afternoon as to whether or not snowflake would run. But uh, up to now, snowflake has not been scratched. After the terrific fire yesterday, it was doubtful, but I understand snowflake was not injured. You'll pay for this, Runyon. Now, the horses have reached the starting gate now and are being let in. There's snowflake goes in easily. Despite the fact that Eddie Burns' regular jockey is not aboard... Fantan is giving his jockey a lot of trouble. He's on the inside. Now they're all... Oh, Fantan backs out. And now he's coming back. And the others are all set. 
Ten town is in. It's set now. We shouldn't have any difficulty in. And they're off. Breakaway comes out of there first, followed by Yellowtail and Fantan. Buzzboy is fourth and Snowflake, the favorite, is fifth. Breakaway opens up a length lead as they go into the first turn. He's showing lots of early speed, with Snowflake trying for the rail to save ground. It's Breakaway, Fantan, and Snowflake as they go down the backstretch. Yellowtail is falling off the pace, and Buzzboy fades. As they go into the far turn, it's still Breakaway on top by a length. And Snowflake makes his move. He's up on Fantan and pulling away. Snowflake is coming up fast. They're making the turn into the home stretch now. Snowflake is bearing down on Breakaway. It's an eighth of a mile to go, and Snowflake has caught Breakaway. They're neck and neck. It's a stretch duel. Both boys go to the whip, and Snowflake goes into the lead. He's going to win. But something's wrong. The jockey on Snowflake is collapsing the saddle. A break, Breakaway takes the lead. The jockey is falling. Yeah, he, he's falling. There he goes. He's falling off Snowflake, and Breakaway opens up a lead of a Come length and a half. Any idea what happened to you? It's your fault, Runyon. If I'd been at the track, this would never have happened. Look, Runyon. The window. He got away before I could see him. Who was it, B.J.? Could you see him? Try, B.J., try. Who was at the window? Eddie. It was Eddie. Operator. Operator, give me police headquarters. Get me Lieutenant McKenzie. Hello, McKenzie speaking. Mac, this is Runyon. Colonel Decker has just been murdered. Why did you let the jockey go, Mac? What are you talking about? Eddie Burns is still locked in a cell here at headquarters. After the police routine was over, I decided to look in on the beacon. So I drove down to Times Square, parked after quite a search... And went up to the deacon's hotel room. Who is it? Battle boy. What do you want? Master. What the? Why run you? Yeah. What's the idea of saying you're a bellboy? I wasn't sure you'd want to see any visitors, deacon. Why not? I've got up to hide. I'm not so sure about that. Uh-oh. Packing, huh? Going someplace? Yes, I am. I don't like this hotel. Why? They aren't particular enough who they let in. <laughs> uh, Deacon, how'd you cut your finger? Opening a can of soup. Why? 
Somebody smashed the window this afternoon. Window? I don't understand. You will. Somebody stuck a gun through it. <laughs> that is the good story. Yeah. I've got another one, too. Somebody doped a jockey named Pete, and he fell off a horse named Snowflake just when he had the race in the bag. Snowflake? But, but Snowflake... Snowflake is dead. He couldn't run. It's a good act, Deacon, but it won't work. With the fire, I, I thought he was... You mean that's what you hoped. That Burns took the horse out before the fire. Someone started that fire for you, didn't they, Deacon? No, Runyon, so help me, I didn't. I swear I didn't. It's no good, Deacon. I really thought Snowflake was dead. Then you weren't at the races, were you? No! Why uh, not? I'll tell you. Because you followed Decker and me and shot him through the window. Right, that finishes the story, Runyon. Don't reach for your gun, Deacon, or I'll put a period to the story. What's the idea of bringing me out here to the racetrack so early in the morning? There's somebody here I want to see, Mac. Oh, I'll show you in just a minute. But, Brad, it's an open and shut case. You said so yourself. It is, but not the way you think. But if Eddie Burns killed Sneed and Deacon killed the Colonel, what else is there? Quiet, copper. Let me do the talking. Oh, okay, but I hope you know what you're doing. I do. There they are, over by the rail. Why, that's Colonel Decker's daughter and the kid, Pete. Yeah. Now, remember what I said. You'll have to exercise more than the Alfred. Don't you worry now, Miss Decker. I'll take good care of him. Good morning. Mr. Runyon, what? What are you doing out here? I wanted to see you. The police are freeing Eddie. Oh, oh thank heavens. Thank heavens. I knew Eddie wasn't a murderer. I knew he was And you can get married right away. I knew Eddie wasn't guilty. That's right, Pete. But Runyon, what are you... Pete, you'd better take Miss Decker home so she can welcome Eddie. Yes, yes. Oh... Thank you, Mr. Runyon. Thank you. Come on, Pete. What's the matter with you, Brad? You've lost your mind. What's the idea of telling that girl that Eddie Burns was going to be let out of prison? Listen, Mac. For once in your life, you're going to forget that you're a cop. You're going to tell a little white lie. Huh? It won't hurt anybody, and it'll make somebody else happy. What do you mean? He can murder the colonel, but as far as you and I are concerned, he killed Sneed, too. And don't forget, Mac. You can only electrocute a man once. Brad, you don't know what you're saying. That's letting the real murderer get away. You can't get the real murderer. Why not? Because he's dead. Dead? Yeah. Mac. 
Surprise, surprise. Colonel Decker murdered Sneed. Decker? Sure, it all fits in. But, but I don't get it. The colonel stalled me on my feet. That made me suspicious, so I looked into his financial affairs. So? I found out the mine Decker gave Sneed and Deacon as collateral was worthless, and Decker knew it. Oh, then he didn't really want Snowflake to win the Kingston. Right. It was a sort of double-double cross. Sneed and Deacon didn't want Snowflake to win either, because they thought the mine was worth a fortune. And they wanted it instead of the money that Colonel owed them. Decker realized he had a chance to kill three birds with one stone. Wait. He wanted to keep Eddie from marrying Ethel, so he decided to frame him. Make it look as if the gamblers had bought him. Ah, then the colonel monkeyed with his own horses to throw suspicion on Burns, and he was behind all the other funny business of the track. Yeah. He saw a chance to clear his debt with a worthless mine by burning the horses and collecting the insurance. Decker was literally broke. But, uh, why did he kill Sneed? Sneed learned the truth about the mine too soon. So the colonel had to kill him. Deacon found it out from Sneed. That's why he killed the colonel. Oh, so that's it. Yeah. Colonel's dead, and his daughter doesn't have to know what a louse her old man really was. You know, I, uh, I never suspected you of being soft-hearted. Well, a soft heart's better than a soft head if you don't overdo it. Mm, maybe. Hey, uh, by the way, Brad, you know any good horses for tomorrow? Yeah. I got a couple of fillies in my little black book. <laughs> spend my life in getting into trouble and getting out of it. But at the same time, I generally manage to get some other people in and out of trouble, too. Be seeing you again. So long. Welcome back. Well, I I think that this was a nice gesture uh, protecting the memory of his skunk of a client for sake of the daughter as she was uh, going to get married. Of course, it operates on this assumption that courts will always punish one murder as much as they will two. Though if we've listened to programs, you know, such as Dragnet, you do see that some people commit murder and just ended up going to prison. So in this case, uh, because he was a known criminal who uh, shot someone down in cold blood, I, I think that the death penalty probably would be likely either way. Now, uh, Brad Runyon, the fat man, does 
does act in this episode like he's generally hard, no-nonsense, take-no-prisoners. But the surviving American versions show that he, uh, you know, even though he can be as tough as he needs to be, he definitely does have a heart. And there are a lot of compassionate gestures that we'll hear in this Australian version as well, remembering that these were based on scripts from the American series. All right, I want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Jasmina, Patreon supporter since January 2016, currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. Well, that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for The Man Called X, and we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of The Fat Man. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>